Everybody comfortable? Yeah. Get your ass up when I'm talking. Hey, take it easy. It's showtime. It's showtime. Yeah. Feel the magic and soul of the YBs. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Take two. All right, we're back finally with that Davis show. It has definitely been a second. Uh, we take a little breaks. We both we had stuff to do from from work to family, and then the big move of Ryan moving to Arizona, Tempe, Arizona. That is. Uh, so now we're back, giving you a little bit of this flavor weekly again of sports and some stuff out of sports uh, with that Davis show. I'm the host, of course, Kim Davis. Follow me at that's Davis, and of course, you know executive producer of Flipping Friends and this show, that Davis show, and that is Ryan Bukovsky. Follow him at Ryan B Ski and Ryan B Ski One on Instagram for the sexiest side of Ryan. He gives all that on the Ryan B Ski One, regular Ryan B Ski stoic. Rabiski won all sex. <laughs> <laughs> My alter ego. Right. Rabiski won. That's your alter ego. Yeah. Ooh, don't put the one at the end. I'm going to get freaky up here. <laughs> yeah, they took away uh, just Ryan B. Ski, so I had to add the number out there. We need to go find that because this freaky, freaky part of you needs to go away. Okay. <laughs> so look, let's go off top. Off um, top? Off the tippy, off top, uh, Junior Bridgman, uh, former Milwaukee Bucks player, played primarily for the Bucks, bought Ebony Media for $14 million. Uh, it was in bankruptcy. Uh, we have know from some of the friends that I know that have written articles from Ebony uh, this past decade, they didn't get paid. There's been a lot of uh, frustration with Ebony, the building. I, I forget, um, I think Columbia owns the building now. It's right there on 800. Uh, something in Michigan, which just for being a, a black person in that building and what it meant when you would drive down Michigan Avenue in Chicago and see Ebony Jet on the top of that white building, uh, it, it warmed your heart. Uh, so he, he bought it. And the crazy thing is, I, I believe, and I didn't check this out, I believe he made most of his money initially from Wendy's. When I saw his picture, I remember they used to always show this uh, basketball player like a decade ago and be like, man, this dude became a, a hundred million dollar, a hundred millionaire owning Wendy's franchises or whatever. Uh, but when the article I read, it said he got out of fast food. Uh, he went into a uh, uh, bottling. He, you know, he has a, like a Coca-Cola distribution down in uh, Kansas or Missouri or something like that. Uh, but he was going to buy Sports Illustrated for 110 mil, Ryan. Which I'm well, no, it's sold for 110 million. Let me say that. But just to let you know what type of bread he must have, if he was anywhere near that type of running where you could throw 110 million at something, usually you got to at least have what? It, what is it? If you can spend it, you should be able to buy it three or four times or something like that, as the saying goes. You're gonna right. Have, right. So you let you know. How, go ahead. Usually you don't just liquefy everything and have right. $10 million. <laughs> yeah, so uh, just talk about the type of business person he is. He said his kids are going to run uh, Ebony Media. Uh, but so for, for me, the thing was, when I saw this, it made me think about my, my, my grandmother, uh, my dad, and my great aunt, uh, my grand aunt. And uh, we had Ebony and Jack come to the house. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, so Ebony was the big magazine. And these were about what was going on in, in, in African-Americans' worlds. Uh, here and abroad, but particularly here, um, celebrities, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, Ebony was more of the um, uh, the classier. I don't know if classy is necessarily the word that I want to use. I don't know if classy, but it was uh, it was the, the more buttoned down magazine. Uh, magazine. It was the bigger magazine. The fancier. The fancier magazine. probably would work. Uh, you know, it, it was the more newsworthy rather than uh, it's, even though both of them can deal with a little tabloid stuff. But Jet uh, Jet came weekly. Ebony came monthly. Jet came weekly. It was a small magazine. We used to have them like on the. Um, on top of this box radiator and uh, well, a radiator that had a box around this wooden box in the bathroom. For some reason, all the jets ended up right there, uh, but it came weekly <laughs> and it had like the centerfold, the centerfold of the week. Some lovely lady would be in there and it'd tell you in the back uh, what who's on the top of the charts, uh, what stores is going on. And these these magazines meant a lot. I mean, and I'm at the tail end of it. I'm talking about the 80s and the 90s. You know, these were seminal in like the 50s. Uh, that, that gave black people pride. So to see someone buying it and hopefully it'll turn around, it's hard. They have a, they do have, it is digital and that's primarily where they'll be. Uh, uh, Bridgman did say that they were going to do some print, you know, some, some, some off prints or whatever, where it won't be uh, um, consistent or regular, but they'll have standoff uh, print articles or print magazines, or I, I guess I should say. So it's good to see uh, perhaps return to something that meant so much to so many of us black people around this country in Ebony. Uh, so I wanted that to be my off top for today. So it's nothing bad. It's nothing about politics or some effery that's taking place. It's just good old Ebony may have a chance to, to uh, a resurgence. Good. That's great. We need as much multicultural in our media as possible. So that's great. So next... Getting to something that we haven't had a chance to talk about since we've basically been off for about a few weeks. Uh, and that's the victories that the Bears have amassed since I believe the last time perhaps we talked. Um, the Bears beat the Vikings this week. Uh, they defeated uh, Houston. Just couldn't before. lose. <laughs> and uh, who'd they beat? Who'd they, uh, who'd they? No, Houston was the first time when they broke the streak, right? They scored yes. 30 points. They should have beaten the Lions until the right. debacle right at the end. So, listen, Mitch Trubisky has been balling out. I'll even th- throw that last interception out uh, at the, of the game. I mean, it was still a bad throw when you look at the coverage, but still uh, looking at what, what, um, what, listen, what Laser's been doing with him and with that offense compared to what it has been is ridiculous. And it's only ridiculous because this was always here. And basically it was wasted as far as the season goes uh, by the stubbornness of Matt Nagy from not one, not wanting to give up play calling. You know, we could have found this out a lot earlier that there were ways to use Mitch and also how much it, it meant to David Montgomery and David Montgomery getting off. Like there have been times where I've questioned if David Montgomery is a bell cow back, not his toughness. We've never questioned his toughness. Sometimes we question his field vision, but also this offensive line has improved uh, with the move of having Mustafer sit there at center. And when you have uh, um, Whitehair now there at back at left guard as he was uh, in seasons past. And it's just things are, look, they've been playing some weak teams. They're, they're not beating world beaters. But when you see that offense play, you're like, I, no one's stopping this. And again, like that's not the Minnesota defense from a couple years ago uh, when, you know, they had uh, just um, they had, the, you know, the Grifferson on the edge. You know, they had uh, Daniel Hunter, Daniel Hunter, the DBs is before Xavier went to put. But they had a great secondary. They, mostly those guys are gone. And Zimmerman alluded to that at the beginning of the season that it was going to be uh, some some growing pains when it comes to having a young secondary. But still, they're 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 they're, they're decent. So to sit there and take it to them like that 
And it, it, by no, you watched that game this Sunday and you thought they're not stopping the Bears. Like once it got to a certain score, uh, you was like, this game was a wrap. And the games had, you had, had mostly, and we talked about this a lot, Ryan and myself, how stressful these games were earlier in the season. And again, we don't necessarily want them to win, mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. these have been, these games have not been stressful whatsoever. Uh, they've been a joy, you know what I'm saying? Of relaxation, you know what I'm saying? I mean, even though if the outcome isn't necessarily the one that I desire to get the result that I want in the future, it's not that I'm hating on the team. I just don't see them as Super Bowl contenders and I'm ready to start moving in that direction, regardless if next season sucks or not. Uh, so I don't know if you saw this week's game since, you, you know, you're down there in, in Tempe, Ryan, but what are your thoughts on the last few games of the Bears uh, that, you, that you've seen unfold recently? Yes, I did still watch the game. No worries there. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because uh, they're absolutely dominating defenses that they should be dominating, and we haven't seen that all year long. Right. <laughs> Even against, like, think early back, like that New York Giants team, even that Lions team, they were terrible until that fourth quarter in that first week one opening game. And then you look at even this past game against Detroit that they did, another 30 spot. I'm with you. Like Bill Lazor has made a huge difference. Matt Nagy has gotten out of his own way. And it's really just kind of frustrating as a Bears fan because – you know, you had a formula all along. Like, they should be in the playoffs, basically. Like, there's really no excuse. After that 5-1 start where you really got lucky because of just some weird stuff, but even that stretch of games where they lost six in a row, I mean, it's not like every team was a Super Bowl contender that they played against. And had Matt Nagy stuck to running the football more often – you know, they had a lot of offensive line issues, so sometimes they couldn't have done more than what they did. But especially when you had Sam Mustafer and some of these guys in there and you were seeing running lanes and then the Bears still turn away from the running game in general, it, it just left you a head scratching. And then you see this defense, it seems like they've kind of taken a step back a little bit. They don't really seem dominant for sure but even that level kind of below dominant they're kind of leaving that area too but you know they're going to be favored against these jags for sure there's just no way that this jags team should beat them unless they just lay an egg and then it's going to come down to that green bay game because right now green bay they're probably going to have to play their starters based on the seating because they're only a game up on both uh, the seahawks and the saints so that game matters to them. And for the Bears, you're going to have to win out if you got any shot at the playoffs. Definitely. And um, listen, I said this, regardless of what happens, I still think someone has to pay for this taking place. I don't think winning these last three games absolves someone from having to uh, be the fall guy, you know, saying in this situation. And it, right now it looks like it's going to be Matt Nagy because in all fairness, I'll say this. Right now, his mistakes have been the most egregious because if this is a way to get the best out of Mitch, listen, I mean, if you really just think about it, if this was the way to score 25, 27 points, they've been, they've been getting to 30. I'm just going to say, I'm going I'm to bring it back a little. 27 points weekly, and you basically didn't know. I won't say he blocked this. You didn't know this. It's saying a lot about your coaching acumen. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's really saying a lot because, dude, the running game was working with a healthy line, yes, 
But with Mitch in there, because teams are afraid of Mitch starts to run. You know what I'm saying? And we saw that in the first few games. Again, they were actually running the ball. And when he got someone that he thought could show, and I'm talking about Nick Foles, can show that Matt Nagy's wizardry as far as calling up pass plays, he fell back into the old rut that he did back in uh, 2018. You know what I'm saying? And he has to pay for the fact that uh, you sat there and wasted um, you wasted this season. I won't even say a majority of this season. I'll say you wasted this season because you didn't do what you needed to do when it came to you going ahead and 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 putting Mitchell Trubisky in the best possible way to get the best out of him to help this defense. When you look at the fact that you had the strong defense, right, and the, the best asset of this defense is their pass rush. All right. When you look at the fact that you have Khalil Mack, look at the fact that you have uh, Robert Quinn and Nakeem Hicks and you sat there and you could have had these guys playing with their ears pinned back majority of the season because you scored so many points. You don't have to worry about the run. Right. And yet you were in the way of this. And we've been calling to see someone else call plays. We didn't know. One of the things you and Ryan and I said was. You know what? Who, if, if you give up play calling, who do we know is on here that can necessarily cause plays to, to, to try to get this, this offense score? And there was a guy on here who knew what to do with, with rhythm, with personnel, and with, with well, necessarily getting Mitch in the right place that he needed to be. And Matt Nagy held that back, and you basically wasted a whole year uh, of, of all these, these players and, and getting to the end of a year where you know you're not going to be able to sign Allen Robinson and keep all those players that you have on the defense. Yeah, and to bring it back to what you said earlier about who kind of has to pay for this, you know, it's really likely right now that the Bears are going to go 8-8 eight and eight if that Green Bay game is them playing at their full strength with their starters and that means you're the same record two years in a row. And you fired a bunch of coaches trying to fix this offense that was going to get you above 8-8, eight and eight, and then you're still at the same spot. So do you just fire more assistants? I'm with you. you gotta, I think you got to get somebody high up, and then that's where it gets really interesting because I totally agree with your Matt Nagy assessment. But then do you let Ryan Pace with one year on his deal sign another head coach and basically give him a third or what is this fourth chance? Is this his fifth, his sixth chance? Like third, my it'd goodness, a big third head coach. All but right. it, it, it doesn't even feel like he's he's only had a few chances. It seems like he's had so many chances, especially if you count. It's almost like with dogs, you know, a dog at three is like twenty or something like that in human years. Yeah. Ryan Pace's. Years as NFL GM, he's been there for six. It's really been 20. And he has just been there way too long. And then what do you do? Do you give him another head coach to try to do something else? And if they win, extensions galore. <laughs> You're right. And listen, I'm I'm fearful of that. But this is out. Let me let me play devil's advocate for Ryan Pace. So you telling me my quarterback could do this? Because people have been dragging me through the mud, right, for years, right? And I've got you. Listen, I brought you in here to show up to fix this kid, and you telling me this kid could do this? Now, listen, the bitching may have played a part in what happened. 
You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. Mitch facing his playing mortality as a Bears quarter, as a, as a starting quarterback for the Bears, I'm sure it helped him figure out if you everything that we've been hearing. Well, now his voice is being heard more. Or he he's he's speaking with a louder voice, I should say. You know, so rather than just being a, a, a getting along guy, it's also like a listen. I'm, I'm telling you what's going on and what works for me type of guy, right? So if that happened, cool. I can't put putting that all on Matt Nagy, but still, I got to pin a lot on him because. You could score points with Mitch and you didn't do it the way that you felt demonstrated what your coaching philosophy was. And that's really messed up. I, I, that It's really, really like because it's not just Matt Nagy, it's the careers of those other coaches and those players that are under him. You know what I'm saying? That, mm-hmm. you know, listen, if he gets fired thinking about Listen, if he causes a regime change. Right. Think about what could happen to the defense. What could happen all over the team? And those people are trusting you and you didn't do what's best for them and yourself because you're trying to prove a point that you had some expertise, which you've proven that you do not have whatsoever, which, again, I want both of them. I want that Phillips, too. But definitely, if if you're only going to get one, unfortunately, he has to be one. I'm with you, though. Ron Pace doesn't deserve another chance. But I I guess the catch 22 the Bears are in is this and this is what they're going to use. So what happened if we keep Mitch and Bill Lazor together? Right. Right. There we go. There you go. You know what's coming. There you know we go. What if we keep them together? Uh, my, one of my fears are, is there's now tape of Mitch in a, a Matt Nagy philosophy, but Bill Lazor called system, right? And more people are going to start figuring out D- different ways to kind of stop Mitch, you know what I'm saying, from from being able to execute this. The more and more games that they they played, let alone going to next season when they have a whole off season to kind of look at what the, the kind of uh, uh, strategies that they use and the scheme that he uses. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, and, and, and it feels so Chicago. It kind of be count in this this type of catch twenty two. Yeah, it is cliche Bears to the absolute utmost. Ugh, it drives me insane. And I, you know, I think that that Week 17 game, it, it's silly as it sounds. We know the McCaskies hate losing to Green Bay. That's mm-hmm. one of their ultimate. And to me, that sh- that should be a huge game. Like if you really want to fool yourself into, oh, let's bring Mitch back and just run what we're running, and everything will be a okay. I mean, the offense would be much better with Mitch running this type of way because, as you see from defenses, they're afraid of stopping the run because of Mitch. They have to have a spy on him, all that. And if you get Mitch on the rollout, he's much more accurate. He can use his legs. But I still wonder, you know, are you going to still be able to hit all those deep shots? Is he going to be able to perform against a playoff team? Because – you know, I definitely think Mitch can be the mighty bum slayer of the NFL. I, I think he has that ability. Bums! Right. Ah! Let me just stab. Yeah. Use his legs. <laughs> run all over your ass. Ah. But can you beat that good team? Like, that game, potentially, against Green Bay, is going to be win and you're getting the playoffs. If he lays an egg... I, I think it's so bears that they'll be like, oh, well, look, look at those last four or five games. Like, he was pretty good. He just, you know, he couldn't beat the Packers. And, and just right. like, are you, is that solving a problem? Are you actually getting better because you bring back Mitch, you bring back an offensive coordinator that's going to run more of his style? 
yes, that should make this team better, but you've got issues on defense. You've still got plenty of issues to figure out on offense. Like, is Allen Robinson going to be here? Is this offensive line even good enough to beat some of these really good teams? Like, sure, they can beat up on a terrible Houston front that has all kinds of injuries. Sure, you can beat up on a Minnesota front that has all types of injuries and young players. Even Detroit, you can beat up on that kind of front where really they're not in the right scheme and they got rid of their defensive coach. So they're running something that is just basic compared to what they were trying to do before. That doesn't, it just doesn't do it for me personally. Let me ask you this, going to the offensive line. I brought this up on uh, Sean and Maya's show yesterday. We were interviewing Sean and I was interviewing uh, uh, Beth Missler Elmore. Um, with the offensive line now, I guess you, most of her stays at center. Oh, yeah. But your best offensive lineman was playing left guard, but Cody's White, Cody Whitehead's back over there doing his thing. So now do you move James Daniel when he returns from the pectoral injury over to right guard? I think I would. I mean, it kind of just depends uh, because James, I didn't think he was playing super great quite yet, but he's improving a lot. And he was getting to a point where you're, where you're starting to feel more comfortable with him. Cause I, I forgot who it was I was it the Rams game uh, this it's year third, it was third or fourth game. I feel like when he got hurt, but right. He was killing at the beginning. Yes. Like he was, he, he was, was killing. I don't want to put any, any shame on the James Daniels name, but I think there was a game before he got injured where he got whooped a little bit by an all pro stud. And that's okay. where I feel his development's at. He's still not quite there. But another year, and remember, this guy's like 21. Like, he's just going to turn 22. He's super young, and maybe that's part of the problem is he's got to develop that man's body, and it's just not coming super quick. But if he's got that athletic profile for the right guard spot, I'd be fine with it. But definitely, if you think James Daniels, he is a guy that is going to flourish at left guard, I would keep him there and then move Cody Whitehair to right guard. But you can't mess with Sam Mustafer at this point because this guy, I love his makeup, you know, coming from Ohio State, going up against all pros and doing it. Or I'm sorry, yes, Notre Dame, doing it against all pro types, going up against really good competition in a very sophisticated offense with Brian Kelly. I, I like how he's just been a solid anchor and that hasn't been the case when James Daniels has been there and when Cody Whitehair has been there you still have to worry about the snapping issue and that's something you don't have to worry about with Mustafer. so I'm with you Mustafer has to stay at center you have to see what you got with this kid and keep developing him and then you got to figure out what's best for James Daniels and Cody Whitehair which until the last few weeks the Bears weren't really concerned about what's best for their players Mm, good point. So, of course, I'm sure you got the Bears beating the Jacks this weekend. Yeah, I, that just – can they even lose that one? Like, that doesn't even seem possible, right? <laughs> no, it doesn't. I mean, it, listen, uh, unless they rest players, uh, you know, and that would be the only thing when you look at, like <laughs> – when you look at the fact that Leo Max taking the week off, that's what getting ready say. for the Pro Bowl that's not going to be played. Because then you're going to see. I, I feel like if they if they rest their two best defensive players, or well, probably top, Akeem Hicks is in the top two. I, sometimes well, Khalil is too, but I feel like um, I feel like Kyle Fuller is is in the top three uh, now this season without with his play or with him and Roquan. They're all the top four. All those players are the top four. But if you rest the two guys that are in the uh, – when you look at Khalil Mack and, and uh, Akeem Hicks uh, who are fighting injuries, I think that Robinson and whoever 
is playing quarterback is going to show you something. Like, I don't think you should take this Jags team uh, like lightly to the fact where you can sit there and sit some guys out and think that you can just walk up in there and do whatever you want to do. Uh, but still, I mean, with them scoring 30 or averaging 30 points these last three, three games, uh, who am I? You know what I'm saying? And then I, I would say, lastly, um, what do you, what's your prediction for what happens at the end of the year? Well, one quick thing on the Jags, too. The Jets freaking beat the Rams. The Rams right. are a better team than the Bears are. The, Bears, the Jets right. are probably a worse team than the Jags are. So anything's possible if that's the case. Uh, in terms of end of the year, uh, I mean, for me, I, I think you got to do changes. Like, I just I don't like how things are set up. I don't like who's picking the next quarterback. You're going to be in the middle of the first round at best. And this is a guy that likes to trade away draft picks, but I think Ryan Pace is safe. And mm -hmm. if Ryan Pace is safe, then it comes down to, like you said, Matt Nagy becoming the most kind of like obvious candidate to be let go, even though he has two years on his deal and Ryan Pace only has one. And I just, I keep coming back. Like you're going to have this guy get another coach. I'm sick of Ryan Pace getting this pass on John Fox. I get it. The guy was put on him. But did you have to stick with him for that long? Like, wh who is forcing you to keep guys that you don't want to keep? And then Matt Nagy was totally your guy, and he was probably worse than John Fox. And John Fox had way worse of a roster than Matt yeah, Nagy. I was about to had. say, if, yeah, you give John Fox this roster, it, I mean, even with his run-first mentality, they're going to be better than what Matt Nagy Probably. Maybe they you don't know? get to 12 and 4. Right. They're probably nine and seven, nine and seven, ten and six. I think they probably get ten wins that first year, uh, but I don't. But I don't think they. I think last year you wouldn't have seen the drop because you would have had a professional person doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like regardless of how we feel about John Fox, before he got here, his resume was it was it was it was pretty sweet for for, for somebody that we got as a, a Bears head coach that worked right. for as a head coach, when you're talking about what he did with the Panthers and then what he did when he was sitting there with Peyton Manning in Denver. Uh, so, like, you, yeah, I, I'm definitely with you when you look at that. I would say the people that – Yeah, what do you think? I think he had to keep them because, one, contractually, they don't want to pay coaches who aren't coaching their team. And also they want to give John Fox a chance because they knew the team had been torn down so much to prove that he was the guy. And we know that Ernie Accorsi basically hired both of them. When it comes to well, he, old rugrat, yeah, he was the person that suggested I should say both of them for their job. So at that at that point, Ryan Pace didn't necessarily have the power power coming in, but like you said, he selected Matt Nagy, and that falls squarely on him. And partially, I'll say this: part of the reason, and of course, because of Sean McVay, young offensive play callers, even though Matt Nagy had a, a very limited time at play calling, became a sexy option, and usually does for the most part, um, but you also probably went with a guy that had done it before because you wanted to make sure that you kept some power that you didn't have when you had John Fox calling them down there. And you, you know, you couldn't just tell John Fox anything. Cause we remember the Mitch shenanigans when John Fox basically didn't even know they was going to draft Mitch Trubisky. Right. right. So, you know, that just like, I'm with you though. I, I think you should clean house. I think you should try to keep uh, the youngest assets that you have uh, in that, I would still try to hold on to an agent, Khalil, not Khalil Mack, an agent. I said I wouldn't try to hold on to him. And you, you have to right now anyway. Uh, agent Akeem Hicks, uh, because I, I don't think you can just find players like that, even as he gets older and, and more injury prone. Um, I, but 
Do you I think anybody will be get let go? Or do you think the band's coming back? Because I think there's a good chance the band's coming back. I think it's, I got to go with a good chance too. Uh, but Mad Nag is the guy, I think, if anybody's going to have to go, or well, anybody does go, I think it'll be Matt Nagy. Um, just because I think Ryan Pace kind of got out of it with seeing Mitch play well. I think if, if Mitch doesn't play well, and again, I'm not absolving Ryan Pace for selecting Mitch when he should have selected the other two quarterbacks, at least Deshaun Watson. No one knew Patrick Mahomes was going to become right. a baby go. All right. So, like, if you're coming out of Texas Tech in that system, again, and most of us know that, you know, Patrick Mahomes looked at as being turnover prone and who could fix him. And only Andy Reid or Sean Payton, in my opinion, or perhaps, uh, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Shanahan, uh, Brian Shanahan. Um, yeah. Yes. Those are the only people that I can have right now outside of maybe a Sean McVay, but I want to put Sean McVay at, at, at the lofty reaches of those other offensive play callers. Uh, but you should have selected Deshaun Watson by, by all means. Um, especially and I'm sure, I guarantee we said that on the old Dean Davis show back um, in the definitely, day. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I, out of all of them. And I, I was an idiot. I wanted Deshaun, Deshaun Kaiser, which lets you know I didn't know what the hell I was talking about, basically. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's funny just thinking about it because, like, I just default went with Watson because I just saw him play Alabama two years in a row and won a national championship. But what do right. I know? And the year he didn't win, he he, he played him to the end. And listen, that, you s- that year everybody was expecting Clemson to get slammed, and they were shocked that they kept in the game and almost beat Alabama. Dude, and the fact that last year that they won it, the fact that the beating that he took and kept getting up was it was like whoa. I remember uh, Sean Davis, producer at uh, ESPN One Thousand. He was big on the Bears should take Watson. Uh, we used to talk about it all the time back then. And clearly, he was right as far as the guys that were clearly uh, at the top of the draft. Because, again, we just said, I said what I said about Patrick Holmes. But getting back to that, I think it still could cover Ryan Pace. But being like, I told you, my guy's, my guy's good. He, You know what? But, but then I would say if I was your, your employee, well, if your guy was good, why did you pick this person right here to be the person right. to coach that person up? So that still falls on you. But I and I would I don't also know. throw a little caveat. You know, if the Bears lose to the Packers, okay, if your guy's so good, all of a sudden, why couldn't he get us in the playoffs? Right. True. Like right. how how long do we have to wait for Mitch to really start winning consequential football games? Like he doesn't have a track record of that. What do you do in your quarterback situation next year, Ryan? Uh, I don't know. I I think like. It's not the worst idea to bring back Mitch if you really are keeping the band back together. But I go back to you got to draft somebody, and I don't know if I want anybody in the Bears brass drafting someone. So, all right, let me get you before we get out of before we switch over, let me tell you what, what some of my thoughts real quick when it comes to the draft. Right now, with what you're going to be picking in the mid teens, mid to lower teens, right? Uh, because they won another game, they won a couple games. I think before. They had won a game. It was around like 14. Um, you were probably going to should draft a tackle. Um, with, but you should try to see if you can jump back into the bottom of the first and look and see if there's a quarterback you like there. Because I, I think our guy. Hey, Ryan Pace, he loves doing that. Don't put it past yeah, him. Right. Because um, I, I think there's a chance our guy may be there because I think Zach Wilson's going over Trey Lance now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm, 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 especially when they get to the combine and, you know, with his cannon and with his feet, you know what I'm saying? I think, and, and playing against stiffer competition, 
I think uh, Zach Wilson's probably, and the question will be said if, if Trask uh, and Mac Jones, you know what I'm saying? Like you got guys that teams, listen, remember Daniel Jones, you know, people, you know, not to say that everyone wasn't up on Daniel Jones, but before, going against, going up, I mean, getting picked before Haskins was like, whoa, now nah, it was the right pick. Cause you see with what Haskins uh, at the strip club, you know, Dan Jones was at the bar with Saquon Barkley, but still, that's not exactly it's not an apples to apples comparison. <laughs> Cause Haskins was better with the strip. It's okay <laughs> to have a drink, just not some titties in front of you. Yeah. But, uh, but uh so yeah, you never know with especially when we start to people start evaluating these 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 players, you know what I'm saying? So there's still a chance that you can get Trey Lance later because people are gonna start holding against him his competition. They, they are, because it, it, especially since all these other quarterbacks played this year and he didn't, you know what I'm saying? So, but you should go tackle and then try to look for uh, um, a, a, a quarterback if a desirable quarterback is there uh, at the, the back end of the first or the top of the, the second round. You, you know, you, 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 you're, you're like um, Baltimore uh, when they drafted um, Lamar Jackson. They skipped him too, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't forget... Lamar, like they skipped him too. They just jumped back up to grab him when he was still out there, and that will probably be the best case scenario uh, right now. But you, you got to get a tackle. Like I know it's not the sexy pick, but you have to soar up this offensive line from the edges. And uh, you can worry about one of these tackles, but you can't worry about both of them. Preferably, right. it'd be a left guy, even if this guy starts at right at first until. You know you're you're ready to sit there and move him to left and bring somebody else in that place to replace uh, Charles Leno Jr. I think that's what you need to do. I totally agree. And if you're gonna cut any of these guys somehow with the dead cap money and get room, boom, they've got to get a quality backup left tackle that they can put behind this kid to either be a swing for either side. And you can, like you said, live with one of them because if you have those three that we talked about, White Hair Daniels and Musafer. On the inside, with a solid rookie tack on the outside, that's four pretty solid offensive linemen. You can win with that. You don't need to have right. five all-stars. Oh, totally, 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 totally correct. All right, so let's switch over again to a little bit of hoops. The NBA starts tonight. Uh, you got games with the, the Warriors are going to New Jersey. Not New Jersey. They're going to face the Nets in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Uh, and you have uh, the Battle of L.A. with the Clippers playing the Lakers in what should have been our Western Conference Finals in the yeah. bubble that did not take place because Paul George is a puppy. Yeah, that's why I'm not really that into the Battle of L.A. No one said George is there. I, I'm with you. Um, and also, you know, if you go starting off with that one. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like anything because what if, if he has a good game? We know when it's when it, when it's when when it counts in the playoffs. That he's <laughs> when not, so let's has just say come out right. Like when playoff P, as you just said, like you know, what does it really mean if the Clippers are good this year? If when 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 the, the ish hits the fan, they crumble, you know. But they have Tyron Lue. Uh, I'm sure some of the voices. Tuned out uh, Doc last year, especially looking at the fact that you had two players coming in getting uh, superstar treatment and one of them hadn't won anything, or at least one of them had been the finals MVP twice. Uh, and those try-hard guys that had been there already at some point started to, you know, say, look at them a little bit sideways. Um, but it's still, it'll be interesting. But I don't, that like, I had a lot more love for the Clippers last offseason than I do uh, this season. And looking at the Warriors versus the Nets, it's the, the battle of Kevin Durant 
Um, I just want to see KD have a good, healthy game. I don't even care who wins this game. I guess I would probably prefer the Warriors to win because, I don't know, man, Kyrie, Kyrie sometimes, and I mean, he's a phenomenal talent. It's just sometimes it's, I'm just not in the mood for his antics. Um, so definitely I would like to see um, um, the Warriors probably win, but I want to see Kevin Durant have a, a really sweet game. Uh, and I, I, I want to see a good Nets basketball team with those two stars on it, but I'm just not ready for them to have early success because I just don't feel like hearing Kyrie uh, be Kyrie, to say the least. Yeah, I, I don't know about you. I'm not I'm not feeling the NBA quite yet. I'm, I'm oh. feeling like it's a little too one-sided. Los Angeles Lakers, nobody else. And so yes. I'm, uh, I, I, I just, I need another competitor to the Lakers, a legit competitor. And uh, I don't know if I got that anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll say this. You look at the fact that I'm the only legit competitor, but there's another year of Denver uh, getting older and getting better and knowing perhaps what they could do. Um, so that's, that's definitely one of those teams you have to look out for. Um, I don't see really... Looking at the West, I don't trust Utah to be able to dethrone the Lakers. Um, I was I wondering tr- maybe Dallas, but do they have enough defense? I was I about know. to say the problem with Dallas is the defense. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the only issue when it comes to Dallas. And also Chris Stapp's being healthy. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like he's got to be there. He's got. He has to be there to get over. Not to get, you know to give the Lakers like, some go, but to, to get over the hump. You need to have that seven foot machine gun out there dunking and shooting threes and whatnot. So, I mean, that it's, it's hard. I, I do. You could say perhaps some of the Eastern conference teams, um, if the nets are actually played to that level, you know what I'm saying? Maybe there's a chance. Um, mm-hmm. I can't see the bucks doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hope the bucks can sit there and make it to the finals, but I don't think their offense is dynamic enough to be able to pull off that against the Lakers. No. But also, let one last part. Hey, man, and I'm not saying that necessarily he's going to fall off a cliff, uh, but Father Time is undefeated, and the Lakers have to stay healthy. You know, like, let's yeah. not forget, this is a shortened season. Um, LeBron has usually been LeBron has usually been injury-free, but Anthony Davis hasn't. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And that's just naming those two players, not some of the other players who have play, who played all the way into the finals and now are jumping right back in it. So th- there's still a chance out there. I don't think – like, this isn't the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant. You know what I'm saying? No, Where it's no, like, no, there's no. no chance whatsoever. Like, this right. this necessarily isn't that, you know what I'm saying, to say the least. But even though I want to bring it closer to home, the Bulls start tomorrow night. Um, well, one thing – I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go right ahead. Say, uh, mm-hmm. Two teams I think I would kind of look out for, maybe trade deadline. If Boston could get a big that's like a a big-time kind of big, like someone that really could matter, I think that they could be kind of a low-hanging team that maybe could get What kind of big are you talking about? What kind of big are you talking about? Give me a description. They need a rim protector, a guy that can score a little bit, not necessarily get his own shot, but somebody Mm -hmm. that can be a scorer, especially – if Brown or Tatum are going to the rim, that they can clean things up, get rebounds. And I think they need some nasty, too. And that's usually where you get from the big man. So Tristan Thompson isn't enough? No. <laughs> I mean, no, because he kind of fits what you just said. Or He's a, he's a guy that, you know, will sit there. I'm not saying like he's like the Kim Mutombo as far as being a rim protector, but he definitely will rebound. And he definitely has some nasty in, his, in him. You yeah. know what I'm don't get me wrong. He's much yeah. better than what they had before. Okay. okay. But I don't yeah. think that that's enough. I get and you. He's not a world beater. 
if Milwaukee could find a, one more offensive player, not legitimate, happen. they had it and they sometime. blew it. They blew I know, it with Bogdanovich. They, they I know. It. But at Since the trade they, deadline, if there's somebody there that they, somebody's dangling that they could get that's an offensive player, that especially if they can shoot, they really mm-hmm. need to be able to shoot. That's they could still maybe rise up, but uh, one last team I wanted to get your thoughts on your Miami Heat. Do you think that they are taking a step forward, just kind of like the same? You know, I'll say this: they should, if they're healthy, they actually should take a step forward because of their youth. Like even even somebody like Bam should be a year better, but Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Kendrick Nunn should all be better. And, and they're also this. This is another thing too. As long as they keep uh, their 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 egos in check. They're in a culture that, you know, sometimes you don't know how a player's going to come back. Like, you'd be like, yeah. Like, remember, like, um, like four years, four or five years ago when uh, Paul Pierce was with the Washington Wizards. And they played well. And it was like, man, you know what? Next year. And I remember thinking then, like, nah, that type of team, you don't know year to year if the progression is going to sustain. You know what I'm saying? There may be some type mm-hmm. of regression. Now, the regression came and they didn't re-sign Paul Pierce as part of the reason there was some regression. But still, those two players in the, the, that backcourt, when you look at Bradley Bill and you look at, uh, um, um, what's his name? John, uh, uh, John James, Wall. James, John Wall. They never really completely gelled together. Um, and so you see that from time to time with teams. But I think the opposite of the Miami Heat with their culture uh, in which the type of uh, tenacious a dogmatic player that your lead dog is a Jimmy Butler is not going to allow those young players to backslide. And it seems like they're following behind them. So they, they should, there should be some, as long as they're healthy, they should be some growth within from within side of that team because those players are better and they made it to the finals. So like, look, that's a different type of swag. You know what I'm saying? When you do that. So oh, yeah. if they can maintain their health and check their egos, they should be better than last year, but being better than last year does not say you're going to make it to the finals again. That's by no means am I saying that they're my odds on favorite to make it to the finals, but definitely they're 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 in that group of teams that's at the top of the East that you think necessarily has a chance. Some teams may have more talent, but if I ask you to choose between uh, the, the 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 Heat right now and the 76ers, even though the 76ers have more talent and seem like they have more stability with Doc Rivers there now and with Daryl Morey in the front office you're still probably going to take the heat because you know what a bird in the hand is. You know what the heat is. We still don't know what the 76ers are. You know what I'm saying? So um, the heat are definitely there. I I look forward to seeing what, in particular, Tyler Hero does uh, this year uh, with the type of coming out party that he had last season. All right. Yeah, I wonder about them, but I'm with you. I think that's a good assessment. So coming here, the Bulls play tomorrow night. Well, today, when you're seeing this, Bulls play tonight uh, in Atlanta. They're going up against the, the... the young, uh, uh, Youngs. What's the up? young Trey Youngs? Trey Youngs. I forgot Blake on Trey Youngs' first <laughs> name. Young Trey Young, young, uh, young TJ Huzmazada's son. Um, so they're gonna go up against them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see Kobe White go up against uh, Trey Young. Kobe White's been good this preseason, even though like John Wall was in his bag on him, though. That uh, first couple of games, it was like, whoa, Kobe. I mean, I know it's hard with any point guard in this league to stay in front of somebody, but man, it was like, this is bad business. But Kobe had a really good uh, preseason. But I think the biggest thing was the contract extension that did not take place Monday evening uh, with uh, Larry Markkinen and the Bulls being contract talks have been said to be uh, far apart. But what are your thoughts on Larry Markkinen and the contract extension that didn't take place, right? Yeah, it's. It's tough with Laurie because 
there, like you said, there was a point in time where he looked like the third or fourth best player in that draft behind like Donovan Mitchell and I forgot who the other one was. Tatum. Tatum, that's it. He looked great. And now he really is just for, it's almost like the Mitch thing we're talking about. Like the games are starting to pile up on him and he's just a very average three-point shooter. He's not very good from the field, just average from there as well. He definitely has some skill, but it's like he's – and this was a, a knock coming out of college. People thought he was just too passive to be one of those kind of star players. Like he just – even at Arizona, he was never the feature. He was a part of the whole, and he, they tried to use him as a weapon because he had this ability to shoot and score being so tall. But they, it, the Wildcats weren't the Laurie Markkinen show when he was there either. <laughs> when ad was in college that was like ad was kentucky like right. you watch right. that for ad same with like john wall to marcus cousins like laurie marketing never was that you thought maybe he could be that type of guy like donovan mitchell was where mitchell was a good player he wasn't the star player at louisville either and then he just exploded and became this really terrific nba player but Markkanen, I mean, he just keeps on regressing. And now I will give him some time, and that's why I'm glad the Bulls didn't give him an extension because I just don't think it's worth it to do it right now based on what we've seen. Billy Donovan, I think, is as good as basically anyone at trying to figure out what to do with him. So if he can't make it work here, doesn't mean that he couldn't be better somewhere else or that like maybe Eric Spolstra, who's a better coach, could do more with them. But Billy Donovan isn't a fool either, and he should be able to put him in a position to succeed, unlike the fool before, which was Jim Boylan. <laughs> but it's not translating in these early preseasons. So I think for Laurie, you know, like him and Wendell, they got to get with the program quick. Like they got to figure out what the heck their role is and start playing it because. If Zach and Kobe can score like they can in the backcourt and then you get a couple other guys below them that can do something, I mean, you can get to eighth spot in the East potentially. The East mm-hmm. isn't this, like, juggernaut. It's, it, it's got some good teams at the top, but it's not. All you got to do is get to the 10th and get right. in playing. Right. There you go. And they can definitely get to 10th, you would think. I mean, how many more teams would you say are better than them in the East? Granted that they're not terrific. They're not this juggernaut team themselves, but with the talent that they have, the coaching now that they have, I mean, something's off, I think, if you have another similar season like you did a year ago from guys like Laurie, Wendell. You know, you might have to just move on. On the Wendell Carter front, because I want to talk about that, but I also realized I owe an apology. I was wrong. Um, Taysom Hill, since, since the last time we talked, had a game and a half where he balled out. Um, so let me give Taysom Hill his props, even though Drew Brees came back. <laughs> let me give Taysom Hill his props. All right. Now I now I see you guys do have a quarterback there. Um, you know, so you, you, you I see I see Sean Payton. I, I see he's not he's definitely still not Steve Young, but you definitely have your quarterback. Now Wendell Carter. Man, if y'all don't stop with Wendell Carter, listen, I hope Wendell Carter proves me wrong, like uh Taysom Hill shortly in his small sample size has. Uh, but, man, if y'all don't stop telling me that he's this offensive juggernaut rating to be unleashed on the league, um, stop it. You know better than that. You don't have to do those – tell us those stories. Uh, I just want him to be a rim protector and to be gritty as, 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 as Daniel Gaffer. That's why I want him to get some of that gaff, that, some of that red in him, 
You know what I'm saying? Start yakking on everything. Uh, but yeah, when you're we're still talking about the, what could happen this season, listen, if like you said, if Kobe White is this player and doesn't give up 20 points on the other end, uh, Zach continues to play defense the way he's been playing defense. Uh, he's been standing in front of cats really not. He's putting mad effort into standing in front of cats this year, getting through screens and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Not going behind, get going over the top of screens. And if he continues to play like that, okie dokie. You know what I'm saying? And if if uh, go, still going back to Kobe, he improves his defense. I know it's still hard being a young player, uh, also being, playing in the, the deepest position at point guard in the NBA. All right. Um, and then just looking at some of the, all the ancillary pieces that, you know, you got uh, you got Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams is is, is definitely improves his defense and is, is just a consistent uh, fourth, fifth player, really. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if Wendell is good, you know, you, if Otto Porter stays healthy, you know what I'm saying? Like you, 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 you got a chance to, to definitely crack into the playoffs. And uh, the crazy thing is this watching the Bulls games That's, I, this preseason. I watch the Bulls games and the, the air feels different. And it's the same team outside of Patrick Williams. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But one, remember, they didn't give Kobe White his real shot till the, the pandemic happened, basically. Right. You know what I'm saying? And then unleash him. Uh, and, 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 and it just seems like even with the same players under new management and with a better coach, the results are going to be different. That's just how it seems. And it's sad right. because that means that you could have done this with the old regime. They just couldn't get out of their own way to let it come to fruition. You know what I'm saying? So that's the mm-hmm. thing that I think really sticks out to me uh, for the most part when when I when I think about that or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's, I think it's going to be an entertaining season, especially as long as they stay healthy. And that's been one of the uh, issues with this team in the past is, uh, I, you know, just as far as health, training room, whatever, um, hasn't seemed always up to snuff. Um, and get how to prepare these players and get them ready for them to all every year. It's been for the last three years, our guys haven't played together. Our guys played together 15 games, 10 games, our, you know, who the starting five is supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? And that's when you have to look inward and be like, what are we doing that these guys are consistently getting hurt? All of them for the most part, or at least the key players, and they, they haven't been on the court with one another. So that's something that I hope, I help, I hope rather with the regime change that we'll see a uh, uh, consistency, consistency when it comes to the health of the players. Yeah, and that's a huge part of the Bulls. They have to stay healthy. We haven't seen this group stay healthy at all since they've come together. So that's definitely number one. And like you were kind of saying, with the little changes, I mean, okay, let's say Kobe White isn't a great perimeter defender yet. You know, with Patrick Williams as a defender and Wendell Carter as a rim protector, you should be able to still figure out a defense that can work for you. And then when you get on the break with Zach and Kobe and Patrick Williams, I mean, they should be they should be able to have some strengths for once, and that's not something we've seen a lot of from Bulls teams in recent memory. It's usually they just don't do anything particularly well whatsoever. I agree. I totally agree. All right, right. You know what time it is, right? I do. It's time to go up for grabs, Ryan Bisky. What do you got for us? Well, we're gonna stick with hoops for my two up for grabs, and my first up for grabs is dealing with the beard, James Harden. Porn star, I mean, stripper James. Yeah, it's it's looking inevitable at this point. He's apparently throwing basketballs at rookies, and he's uh, not so laid back like he was before. Uh, Apparently, a slew of teams have come on to. just reach out. I heard it was like the Nuggets, uh, a couple other teams like that 
where you're kind of that middling with uh, some good young talent and maybe some draft picks that they can give to Houston. So what do you think? How does this James Harden saga end? Does he finish with Houston? Is he a trade oh, deadline? Man. Oh, it's not a chance in hell. He ends this season as a Houston Rocket. Um, Tillman Fertitta, oh, you know, you can say uh, management, but Tillman Fertitta put out that they're willing to let things get uncomfortable. Guess what, what, what James Harden is letting you know? So am I, and I'm going to show you how uncomfortable it can really get because right. I'm out here with no mask in the strip club and I can come in here and affect this whole team, let alone just not with my <laughs> attitude, but with the Rona. All right, like right. <laughs> John Wall, <laughs> Boogie, y'all, you got, you got uh, Kentucky back down here. <laughs> like just, just, he's showing you the amount of control in a, um, a player's league that he has. And that's with a player that's under contract for two more seasons. So how far are you willing to let him torpedo what you're trying to build now down there? Like, so you just, I mean, again, they're in the West. So this season was going to be a wash anyway when you have two players coming off of injury to look at as being your, your your most important players if James Harden isn't there and Boogie Cousins and James Wall. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to look at them as necessarily being a team that you think could uh could, could really be a, a bonafide, I won't say a playoff contender. I won't say a contender, but playoff contender. You know what I'm saying? Out West, because we know, you know, good teams. Look at, look at San Antonio. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, they're they're a good team. They're just out West where they're a well-coached team. They're just out West. They don't have the type of talent uh, that Pop really needs to get them back to where necessarily they, they need to be. Um, I think now what's happening, because you talk about the teams, and it doesn't mean that it's, they're totally out of it, but it was reported yesterday that the Heat are like, we good, we're not in this no more, right? And I, I think partially it's to let those players, the Heat players, relax because – those young players know, listen, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson know they're in that trade and Kendrick Nunn or some parts of that outside of the older players that they need to, to, to match the dollars of James Harden. But they know, like, dude, I, I may be out of here at any moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, what are, are we going to sit here and try to get back to contending or am I on pins and needles waiting to see am I moving uh, for James Harden to come here or whatever? And also, when you look at the Heat, I think they only have their 20, 27. They only have like a 20. They got a late a first round pick from years away that, that I think that they have necessarily left to throw in a trade like that. I think th this increases the Nets' chances because what's going to happen is what's, what's going to happen is with James Harden's actions, some teams are going to worry if they're going to take on that type of um, problem. Like, okay, I'm Team X. James Harden, you got two more years on you. I'm going to trade for you and bring you here. Hopefully we can get you to uh, want to stay here, right? James tells us, tells you, I don't want to go there. You trade for him anyway. And he comes there and he does some of the same stuff he's doing in Houston. And let alone, let's say you have a, you have a good locker room and he implodes that locker room. So our team's going to be willing to take that risk uh, with James Harden. And the only teams that I think are going to be willing to do it are the teams that know that if they get him, he'll probably act right like Daryl Morey will with the Sixers and with uh, the Nets with Kevin Durant, knowing that he wants to be with Kevin Durant. I think it I think it, 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 it strengthens those teams' chances, particularly the Nets, of getting James Harden because of James Harden. Is, he's, he's literally forcing his way there. That's what, to me, uh, is, is what's going Because you, you really need to get him out of there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, now, listen, I don't think it sets a good precedent for the NBA to where players – and, I, and I, I get why you don't want them to destroy – your locker room. But I, I think you, you, your contract says you're supposed to be here this many years. Um, just think about the fact that you told me to hire Paul Silas Jr. And now you don't even want to play for him, right? I was going to go get 
Van Gundy back down here and do what I wanted to do because I could have just did me. You wanted to leave. You you, you didn't. You, you know what I'm saying? Like you, I could have just done me. Prepared this team the way I want to prepare this team since you had basically checked out. And every year we've given you what you wanted and we traded away all our, our first round picks to, to, to bring in uh, a Chris Paul, well, really to bring in, uh, um, uh, um, uh, um, what's his name, uh, Russell Westbrook from OKC last year. Like we, we traded away our future and now you're going you're gonna to dip on us. And it's like, dude, you, you, this, you sold me a false bag of goods. So I, I get Tillman Fertitta's frustration, but in wanting to go chest to chest with your, your, your star player, Man, when push comes to shove, it's, it's a player's league, and he's probably going to get what he really wants. I mean, and I, I don't like it um, because I feel like the, the, the problem with Houston, a lot of it falls on James Harden. You saw the article that came out last week about them letting him do whatever he wants to do. Um, a lot of that, and it, it goes to the degree he's willing to go to, to be uber successful. He definitely wants to be successful. Uh, he's a player that's always out there, that's rarely injured, plays through injuries basically. So you know he wants to be successful, and but he like and he likes to enjoy the fruit of the fruit of his spoils. But does he want to be one of the the, the, the talented tenth of just you know what I'm saying like I'm I'm of winning I should get I should say not talent of winning and he hasn't necessarily come off like that and that falls upon him. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with what you're saying. I can't wait to see what happens. Do you have a, a favorite team? For James Harden, that you is it the Nets? I think, I think it's the Nets now. I think it's. I mean, I, I don't know. Too. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, dude, I that what they send him back. You got it. You have to get a third team involved in that. But I just think it how it's looking, and if he keeps going this way, I think it's the Nets. But I also think there's a chance that Tillman Fertitta, even though you know Tillman Fertitta definitely doesn't want to give Daryl Morey James Harden, but I think I'd rather send him to Philly because you know his heart of hearts he wants to be a net you know what I'm saying like I think if James Harden if he was a free agent he would sign with the Nets you know what I'm saying and so that's where I would say you know what at least I'm not going to let you go exact straight to where your heart of hearts wants yeah this is your second place but it's better than me sending you there plus I mean if you can get back Ben Simmons because like if you tell me I can get uh, Carol Savert and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and whatever else y'all throwing at me and I can just have Ben Simmons. I'm taking Ben Simmons every day and twice on Sunday. How about our second question up for grabs? The NBA in general. We've been talking about it kind of loosely. What a One bold prediction from you for this NBA season. Mm, that's a good one right there. Bold prediction. Um... Hmm. You know what? I'll say this. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm going to be right, but I'll make a bold prediction. Luka Doncic won't be the MVP this year, and the mm. reason the reason I'll say that is I don't know why. It just hit me last week. <laughs> no, it hit me because I I totally believe he's going to win the MVP uh, at least two times in his playing career if he stays healthy. All right. But the, the one thing is, I don't think Giannis is going to win it three times in a row. I think Giannis is going to fall up and get, get what Jordan went against, what uh, LeBron goes against, where it's like, you know what, that's about enough. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you're not winning titles. You know what I'm saying? And just be racking up MVPs like that. Um, so I think Giannis won't win it because people are going to be tired of him. So that should help Luka. But I feel like there's a dark horse out there that we're not, we don't even know about that's going to explode uh, this year and, and, and maybe be, get a chance to, to, to usurp Luka and what seems like should be his coordination and take that MVP away from him. Okay. My bold prediction 
is going to be the Phoenix Suns replace Oklahoma City for the playoffs. Mm, that's not a bold prediction, As Ryan. the fifth seed. Oh, now that's kind of bold right there. I got okay. I'll take that one. I'll take that. That's a jump. I mean, but that's a that's a jump in the West. That's a jump. That'll be a pretty good jump for Phoenix to to make that move. Uh, they definitely have enough talent to it's just just can they keep it together? Um, but yeah, I, I like that one. That's a good one. I mean, with that team, um, when you already know what you got in Booker, Devin Booker, and if you know DeAndre Aiden is kind of rounded out, but thinking about how it's going to be Lob City. 3.0 basically with with Chris Paul down there. Uh, it'll definitely be interesting to see how that team adjusts together with Monte Williams uh, being such a, a nice you know, a nice head coach. So yeah, I, I can I can vibe with that one. Yeah, I think uh, you know OKC falls down, especially with the loss of Schroeder and their rebuilding with Chris Paul and all that stuff gone. Chris Paul, great leader, perfect I think fit for what the Suns want. <laughs> And then, like you said, I think a bunch of guys are going to improve, like a.k.a. DeAndre Ayton. He's going to love having Chris Paul around. You got that closer. Mm-hmm. I like him. I like him. I think that they can go on a huge jump this year. And they're really athletic, long. I, I like a lot what they got. Yeah, especially when you see what Chris Paul did in OKC to where he had the ball, but he didn't necessarily have to have the ball all the time, where it's like he's leading the league in assists or even in the top in assists where he could share it with uh, Schroeder and uh, Shea Gilders-Alexander in the way that he did last season. So it, when you have a guy that needs the ball like a Devin Booker, and yes, you want to make it easier for him by setting them up, but sometimes you just got to clear out and get out of his way. I think Chris Paul is, is showing that he's ready to be that guy. He showed it in Houston with James Harden, but also since his last four years, three years with the Clippers and his perimeter shooting has become so much better, you know what I'm saying? That to have that guy now is sitting out there, book penetrates and kicks out. You got a guy that can knock down the three like Chris Paul, let alone you can reverse it and they can do the same thing for one another. So I'm, I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely I'm definitely with you on I'm high on that. I can't wait to get on live and play with that team. Uh, yeah. oh, I mean, not not live or 2K, I should say. 2K. 2K. I just aged myself. I just aged myself. 2K. NBA live. The NBA live. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Get in the game. All right, Ryan. So. That's it for up for grabs. That's it for up for grabs. Uh, the closing segment. I definitely want to talk a little bit about the White Sox. I believe it's Yoquai. Yoquai. Now it got me tongue tight. Yoannis. I had to say Yoannis too. Yoannis Suspestus. Cespedes, number one international player, even though he was signed as a free agent by the White Sox, 23-year-old, got a $2 million contract, uh, line drive guy, but he's put on like 20 pounds of weight. Um, five well, tools. If he's anything like Yo Ennis, I still, like him. I still get nightmares of that 2015 hey. run against the Cubs. Changed his hidden uh, motion, Ryan, and now it looks like Yoannis, right? Mm-hmm. And like when I first saw, it, I was like, "Whoa, he, he he hits like his brother." Now I was listening to the narrator; was like, "Yeah, he, he changed his motion. It looks like his brother's motion." I was like, "Oh yeah," so I wasn't tweaking. I, I was definitely right. So, uh, out corner outfielder probably won't be up for at least a year and a half, a couple years. Um, but five toolsy, just another Cuban, a black African Cuban that coming to the team. Boy, Jose Abreu, he needs his own office. Uh, right. Guaranteed rate. 
Right, him and no, Minnie Minosa needs his own office. All right, that's start start with the grandpa. All this, all right. Oh, Jose can have Jose can had a room next to it, but give Minnie Minosa his his. Prop. They have that attached door, like you said, right, hotels. Right. Yeah, give him give, <laughs> give Minnie Minosa his props. Uh, also, with with the fact that the MLB uh, now has said that the, the the Negro League is a major league. Uh, operation it, it helps Mini Minosa because that those stats now join his uh, major league stats. So shout out to Mini Minosa, man, uh, great ch- contributor to uh, Cuba and to uh, black people in general. But on a sadder note, well, not sadder, but on a, 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 a pissed off note, uh, Tony Russa uh, copped his plea. He said this: "I brought this on myself uh, I, during a, a, a press call." I feel a, a deep remorse and regret over what I did. I'm grateful for the White Sox for standing by me. Even though this happened before they hired me, I really feel like I let them down. And when I read that, you just couldn't just couldn't be humble, could you, Tony? Right? Mm-hmm. You're like, you know, listen, I'm happy they cool with it, but you know, I wasn't even working here when I did that shit. Like, you just couldn't stay toe the line, could you, Tony? Good old Mr. I'm a member of the Hall of Fame baseball person. Yeah, right. Could you, you see stay? this ring? Right. You see this ring? Now, look, he was asked, did he have a drinking problem? He said, I know I don't have a drinking problem. Just like I know I made a serious mistake in February. And where I'm right now is to prove that I don't have a drinking problem and prove it every day off the field. I'm going to handle it. And what's painful and clear to me is if I drink, I will not drive. The alternative, there's always an alternative, have a car service, lift Uber or have a friend. And you didn't know this at 70 something years old. Already, I don't have a problem with drinking. I got a problem driving while I'm drinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's so blurry, you know. It's so so blurry. Back in the day, in those St. Louis highways, I was able to do a pretty nice Phoenix, though. It's different out here. Right, right. So those, that's my little White Sox update of what's taking place as we move Boy, away. I just hope uh, for that team that he is not that consummate distraction all the time or being the issue? I don't think he will be. I, I, again, I, I, I'm looking um, with my glass half full. Um, still, As you I, should. I'm I still think he's still a Hall of, Fame yeah. general, Hall of Fame manager. This isn't some Hall of Fame person. Hey, you seen this? <laughs> you see this right? <laughs> Give me a drink, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I've come, I've, I've been feeling like how you just said. I feel like, you know what? It's Tony Rusa. Um, he should know what he, he what needs to be done. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm still not happy he's the guy, but I'm getting over it and just trying to get looking forward to seeing some baseball this springtime. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting with that team because they are talented as you know what. You know what? And <laughs> as long as he can just press the right buttons and not, in a way, press the right buttons like Tim Anderson or something like that. Right. I mean, they should be good. Right. I totally agree. I totally agree. So, all right. We are back. Uh, we'll get to give this to you consistent again, and hopefully we're going to bring you some vast improvements uh, going into the new year. So definitely sit down and chill with you guys, Ryan and myself, to give you a little entertainment, a little bit of sports, and also as we bring you flipping friends for laughter and politics and things of that nature. You be safe this holidays. Um, hopefully don't go out and be with a bunch of people you're not usually around in your household. I know you miss your family members, but it's more important to keep them alive and keep your friends alive and perhaps keep yourself alive. Uh, But definitely, Ryan and me, appreciate you spending some time with us.